Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am super excited for you to listen into my conversation today. We're going to be talking about fat positivity. And I have an amazing person on the show. Her name is Nicola Salmon, and she's actually a fat positive fertility coach. So she helps women who get told that they're too overweight to consider having kids, she helps them really navigate the medical system and helps them get pregnant, which maps back to her own story. Now, we dove into a lot of topics on this podcast. We both hung up and said, oh my gosh, we were all all over the place. But here's the truth of this episode. I've actually been sitting on it for a couple of months because I was nervous to post it because this is a topic that I still don't totally understand. And I guess I don't totally understand my role in this topic. And I kind of feel like at times I've been kind of insensitive to this topic you know, to, to those people out there who might be thinking this. And then I've also kind of been insensitive to my own body for sure over the course of my life. So I've really been taking in what this all means and how I can really clean up how I talk about weight, um, in response to what I really feel like I deeply learned from this conversation. So I'm going to get you into the conversation, but I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts that I have um, on this topic and what I'm still really thinking about. So we get into the idea of the scale, which I also talked about on a couple episodes with Nina Mandelson. I'll link to those in the show notes. So you can go back and listen to those if this is a topic that you're interested in. But many, many years ago, actually, I did throw away my scale. Now, I never drew the line at the doctor's office, which Nicola suggests, which is fascinating to me, but I didn't weigh myself for many years. And I actually believe that not doing that helps me come into a better relationship with my body and help me really get healthy for healthy sake. And I did end up shedding a lot of weight, but it wasn't based on me showing up on that scale every day. And I think that was a really helpful component of it. Now, you know, 15 years later, I'm at this crossroads and I was at this crossroads when I was doing this interview where I actually think I need to go back to the scale, but I think emotionally I'm in a different place than I was before. And I feel like I just need the number because I feel like I have health things that are going on. And I feel like the number is going to help me clarify some of those things and understand um, what different lifestyle changes, how they affect my weight and what that's telling me about 
my health. Now, I don't always think that weight is a good measurement, and we talk about that on this episode, but that's where I wa- that's where I am now and where I was when I was doing this interview, so that's just something I'm curious about. So I'll keep sharing that with you a little bit over the course of my year-long journey. I'm just trying to tweak a little bit my health. I'm in my mid-40s, and I'm finding that weight seems to be a telling factor around hormone changes. And so I'm trying to figure out how that means. And it does mean that every once in a while, I'm going to need to weigh myself. Now, I have not gone out, I have to admit, and bought a scale because I've noticed that you can usually find one at the gym and at the doctor's office and that that, you know, will suffice. Um, The other thing is, is that I really do consider myself an inclusive, kind, loving person. And after having this conversation with with Nicola, I felt like, wow, I wonder who I've really deserted over the course of of this journey, of this Plan Simple and Plan Simple Meals journey, and how I can really clean up my language and motivate people from a different perspective. Because when I first started all this coaching work around food, I really was focused. My messaging was all around like fitting back into your genes. And I don't even think that's important, but I thought that it was that hook that would get people in um, and make us want to make some of these changes, which I know can impact so much more than our gene size. And in fact, sometimes it doesn't even change our gene size, but it gives us so much more energy and so much more brain clarity. And we feel so much better that we're not as much affected by our gene size, if that makes any sense. And so that was almost just the hook because that's the societal hook. But after talking to Nic- Nicola, I was like, I am never using that again. So we're just all going to have to show up and believe that we're worth being our best selves and that we're worth feeding ourselves the best food for reasons that are outside of my weight. So I'm super grateful for hearing that. And I really hope that you guys enjoy this conversation because it was fascinating for me to do this interview. And though it's a little all over the place, um, I think that you'll learn a lot. So with no further ado, let's get Nicola on the show. Hello, Nicola. Welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mia. I'm so excited to chat to you. Well, I'm really excited for this conversation and totally nervous that I'm going to put my foot in my mouth, but that's okay. (laughs) We're just going to go with it. So let's start, let's just start by telling people a little bit about what you do and how you got into this, I guess, and because that might cover the fact that you have two little kids. Yeah, so I am a fat positive fertility coach, which means that I work with people in bigger bodies who want to get pregnant, who may um, not have been able to get pregnant as quickly as they'd like, or are worried about getting pregnant because they've been told that they shouldn't get pregnant by their doctor. Um, I got into this work kind of in a really convoluted way. I was told by my doctor at 16 that I wouldn't be able to have kids. So I kind of grew up um, thinking that it was going to be really hard, thinking that, um, you know, maybe being a mother wasn't going to be on the cards for me. I was diagnosed with something called PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is like a metabolic and hormonal condition. And the weight, the guidance for that is weight loss. That's what you're told to do. That's what I was told to do by my doctor. So I kind of spent most of my teens and twenties on a bit of a yo-yo roller coaster dieting ride, and kind of 
as life went on, as I found my partner and we got married and we decided you want to have kids, that's um, when I thought things were going to be hard. I was kind of gearing up for this battle and going to have to lose weight and all this stuff. But actually, it was really easy for us to have both our kids. And that kind of kind of planted a seed in my head of like, okay, well, why was it so easy for me? And on this kind of same path, I was working with people for fertility. I was um, I was trained as a fertility acupuncturist and then a coach. And I kind of once I once my kids were very small and they started eating food and they were kind of I was aware of them being like watching what I was eating and how I was eating. I realized that I really didn't want to pass on my food habits and how I spoke about food and how I spoke about my body to them so I decided to stop dieting I decided to stop weighing myself and that's when I really discovered this whole movement that's been going on since the 70s around um, being fat positive and kind of the health at every size movement which is a movement around supporting people at every size regardless of um, kind of what their body looks like in health or however they choose to define that um and eventually i kind of married the two together and i realized that nobody was talking about you know supporting people in bigger bodies without shaming them without judging them without taking them down the weight loss route so it was a a bit of a kind of here and there up and down journey but i'm really glad i got to where i am today to do this work and when you were 16 did the doctor actually tell you that it was because of your weight that you wouldn't get like was that part of the message so it was kind of, yeah, all kind of packed together. So she said it was due to this polycystic ovarian syndrome, which meant that I couldn't ovulate and I wasn't having regular cycles. But then it was heavily implied that if I lost weight, that it would be fixed, that it would be cured. So it was my weight that was the problem. And it's funny because I didn't even realize this, but I have the exact same story. So weight oh, was wow. never was told, but I had the same, I, the same thing. 16, never could have kids. And we actually didn't even decide. I actually hadn't even gotten to deal with it yet. I was married like six months and I got pregnant because I decided I had gotten put on all these awful hormone medicines because of it, not to get pregnant, but just to have a regular period. And I, um, so I had been on all this medicine my whole life. So when I got married for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I'm free. Like, I don't need to take all the medicines anymore. I don't, like, I don't even know what I was thinking because it wasn't really birth control. It was just getting my period. But anyway, yeah. so I stopped taking it and I, I literally got pregnant. That's so, um, you know, that kickstarted our family <laughs> on purpose. But it's so interesting because it really does mess with your mind, which in the end, because I ended up having three kids. And I did go through like the mind game in between each one, you know, of like, oh, great. Like, well, what if that was just a fluke? Because I never was supposed to have, be pregnant. So, you know, and, and it really was mindset work, I think, that really an acupuncture, weirdly, yeah. that got me pregnant both times. That it's, I was right. It's such a mindset. Like for the whole time that um, I was pregnant with my first, I thought something was going to go wrong because I was convinced that my weight was going to be a problem, that it was going to be super unhealthy, that something bad was going to happen, and nothing did. Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit, and this is where I'm scared I'm going to ask the, all the wrong questions. But <laughs> so the truth is, is that I have been overweight, and I've also had an experience of losing weight all the wrong ways, but also the right, like a way that really worked for me in the end, and mm. I call it my last diet because... It wasn't about a scale or anything. It was really about getting healthy. And I actually found out I had autoimmune disease. I had celiac, which probably was behind a lot of my 
mishaps, you know, as a teenager. Yeah. And so what's so interesting to me though, is, is the message like that this is like a message and like where it became like where we got the idea that thin meant healthy because, you know, I work with a lot of families with kids and it's quite obvious that, you know, there's many thin children who are not healthy, you know, are sick all the time and their eyes show it. So like, how did, how did we get into this mess? I guess would be my first question. And like, then how do we, like, how do we navigate out of it? Like, how do we, like, for me, I feel like the 85 pounds was a sign Mm-hmm. because it wasn't meant to like it was never on me before it came on me. you know what I mean like yeah. I gained it so it was actually a sign that my body was something was weird was happening with my body but we all you know and I'm not Barbie either so we all come in different shapes and sizes <laughs> and so how do like how do we how do we start to navigate like what's healthy and what's not and I think this is this is true for definitely true for all women I know like no matter what size we are we have these random thoughts about how we're not enough in our bodies and then like, I love that you're trying to pass on these messages to your kids because we also have these same worries about our kids, right? So let's just, I don't know, just tell me what you know. <laughs> so the like the history of it is really kind of muggy and it's quite complicated and nuanced. So I can like, I'll share as much as I can. Or we could just move forward. We don't have to be historic (laughs) if we don't want to. But like, how do we get, I guess, how do we get out of this? Because until recently, I didn't understand it was such a problem. We talk about diversity all the time, Mm. like with different ethnicities, but we don't talk about it so much with body image. And so, you know, it wasn't until recent years that I even understood that this was a thing. I mean, it's, it's so like, so the whole idea that fat is bad kind of comes from it really comes from like a a racially motivated originally kind of standpoint that, you know, black people in bigger bodies were seen as kind of lower class and lower standard in our society. So it kind of, it almost came about from that perspective of, okay, well, that's why fat is bad. And then, you know, in those, in kind of like however long we're looking at going like 30, 40, 50 years, the science was proving in quote unquote that, being black or being you know indigenous or asian or any kind of racial um other than the white was inferior in some way so there's a lot of kind of that stuff that we're coming from in terms of as the researchers move forward obviously there's not as much of that racially motivated stuff at least but there is still that kind of current and that undertone around it and then i can't remember when it was but then i kind of some study showed that people in bigger bodies had all these extra risks associated with them and that meant we're going to die sooner um so that obviously then kind of was taught in in medicine and kind of all these systems that fat is bad and then we see all these extra risks around people in bigger bodies um and then we got the diet culture which is you know these big companies who saw that they could jump on this bandwagon they could make a lot of money from tapping into these insecurities that people had around oh my god you know like being fat equals you know we make it mean so many things now like it means you're greedy and you're selfish and you're you know lazy and unmotivated and all these kind of stereotypes of what fat people are when actually weight and somebody's size isn't easily changed isn't a modifiable 
thing that they can change really easily. There are things that you can do to support your health. So like health promoting behavior. So we know a lot of the things that we can do to feel healthy. And some of those things will coincide with weight loss, but it's not the weight loss that's having the health promoting benefits that your body's just getting back to kind of its natural size, as it were, like you mentioned kind of with your last diet. Um, But the research has shown that regardless of whether you lose the weight or not, the health promoting behaviors that you do will have a, a beneficial impact, if that makes sense. So people who do these behaviors, there are people that stay the same weight, people that lose weight, and they both have the same benefits from doing those behaviors, regardless of whether they lost weight or not. Interesting. And so does that make sense? <laughs> yes. No, it totally makes sense. Um, hold on one second. I'm just realizing and we will edit this. And I'm really, do you hear me better all of a sudden right now? I, I heard you fine the whole time. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll make a note that we need to do that, but um, it's fine. I don't think I had the right microphone on. Um, so, so I guess then, so, so one of the confusions I guess is, well, and actually historically at one point before we decided that this was a poverty issue, like in old, old history, big bodies were a sign of like wealth and fertility fertility and superiority and all the things right because the yeah. people who feed themselves were the people who like knew what they were doing that's it i mean it's totally a fad like it's what yeah. we've decided is you know super thin but big bums and small thighs you know all these body features go in and out of fashion like we yeah. decide what's supposed to be the perfect body Well, and what's interesting, though, is that we're not looking, I mean, I think another confusion of right now, like of this particular time, is that the world has gotten a little bit unhealthier, right? So there are, there are like children who, like, we we're in this moment where like, I feel like there must be bodies that we're supposed to be in. And then there's bodies that we create. And what's interesting is that size has become this marker. But like when I'm looking around at like people, I see all these other markers like skin and like what your eyes look like and how you're glowing. Like, so there's all these markers of health, maybe size being like, in my case, I feel like size was one of them because I ended up in this, you know, after kids in this body that wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. mine. Um, and so I think, I think that's probably confusing, right? And what you're saying is that there's totally ways, like there's very healthy people who live in, in bigger bodies. Is that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so how do we, so how, how, how do we help ourselves? First of all, if we're, um, if we're feeling like, oh my gosh, this is me. Like every time I go to the doctor, I feel like I'm this alien person and no one's paying attention to me. And they're always blaming that on it. So I feel like that's one thing I would love to get your input on. And then the second thing is like for those people who don't identify as living in a bigger body, how can we be, how can they be helpful right now? How can we all be helpful right now to like change this story, which is such not a good story for our girls to be growing up in? Yeah, I mean, the pressures that young people face now, and you know, I think all people face this, whether you're a man or woman, like, there are so many pressures to conform to a particular body standard, regardless of whether you're in a bigger body or not, you can feel those pressures and you can still be on like a really low calorie diet and completely like 
it just sucks the whole joy out of life if you're having to permanently like be doing things all the time to keep your body small and although you don't face the same kind of biases in the world that fat people do it's still you know it's still not a life to live if you're constantly consumed by this idea that you have to go to the gym every day and only eat a thousand calories a day you know and all these other things that you have to do in order to be a good person um yeah, I mean, that's interesting people, that, it, that it's associated with being a good person that's it it yeah. affects people's whole mood their whole days you know if they step on the scales in the morning and it says what they want to see then that will put them in a good mood for the rest of the day but if it doesn't which most of the time it won't then it kind of whole changes your whole day and changes your whole perspective and it yeah it can be a very horrible place to be yeah and if you are trying to live a healthy life you know regardless of what size you end up being you know a lot of the work and a lot of the conversations we've had on this podcast and a lot of the work I do like it's very hard to show up to a healthy life if you feel really bad about yourself like it's so much easier to start from a positive place like that just facilitates good choices whereas that living in lack like it's a a lot of it's just the games we're playing in our head Mm, I mean it's all you know like mental stuff that we're telling ourselves and beating ourselves up about but if you believe that you are a horrible person because you've been told that because you're in a bigger body then why on earth would you make decisions around your health and well-being that support your body? Because you don't think you're worth those decisions. You don't think you're worthy of giving yourself food that's going to make you feel good and moving your body in a way that feels good. It's all about punishing yourself when you're in a bigger body and you've been told that, you know, this isn't good enough. You're not good enough because it, they put the personal responsibility on the person and an actual fact, like the size of your body, you cannot, change that to a certain degree i mean there's things that you can do but some a lot of them aren't long term like i think the majority like it's something ridiculous like two-thirds to 99 percent of diets like intentional weight loss don't have long-term benefits so they they don't prove that they work longer than two to five years which is nuts really yeah okay so so for someone who is struggling with this body image, like what are, what are your, what's your favorite starting point? Like what is the first thing you would tell somebody who's your client? So a great place, like you mentioned, the question you asked before about kind of what can you do if you're being a bigger body and you go to your doctors is really just starting to advocate for yourself. So it's a position that we shouldn't be in because all bodies should be retreated with respect and equal respect, but it's not the position that people often find themselves in when they go and see their doctor. So the best kind of mindset to go in and get started with is remembering that your doctor is there to support you and to work for you and to together you should be making an informed and like consensual decision around your healthcare. So it's going in feeling that, you know, your doctor's there to support you. They're there to give you all their clinical knowledge and expertise that they've got. But at the end of the day, it's your decision about your body so you can ask them questions about you know what are, what are the treatment protocols and what are the alternatives and what are the benefits and the risks and you know all these different things so that you can be informed about what your choices are because often the doctor will just say okay lose weight come back in six months and we'll look at it again but mm-hmm. actually you can say you know like okay well what are the alternatives what if we did this and how what would somebody in a smaller body what would their treatment look like and 
you can also go in and set boundaries about what is and isn't okay with you because a lot of times you'll automatically get weighed at the doctors and that's not really necessary unless you need something like an anesthetic or something where you need your weight to dose your, to dose any medication so saying that you don't want to get weighed or saying that you know, you don't want to talk about diet or you don't want to talk about weight loss, you can set those boundaries with your healthcare professionals from the beginning so that it's less triggering for you. And also you can have a more empowered conversation around your health that doesn't involve weight loss. Interesting. Do you find that there's a difference between men and women? Receiving or from the doctors? Like just in terms of the biases we have against, like the, the biases we might have for a woman or a man in a bigger body is it is it similar i think it is i think there's often maybe a difference in kind of perception of how the person has got in a bigger body so for women i guess i think people assume that they've you know they've overindulged in food or they've like comfort eated or you know like put down the chocolate bar a lot of my patients get told and Whereas men, I think it's more thought of as, oh, they've just been down the pub too many times and had too many drinks and it's like a beer belly. So I think there is definitely a distinction and in a way, maybe one is more acceptable than the other. And I think women do tend to punish themselves more around the weight because historically women have been... um, Well, women have been seen and not heard, right? The whole point, you know, like historically women you know you've been the property of your father and then the property of your husband so it's you've been more of a possession so then you've had to look the part and you know good girls are seen and not heard and you're supposed to look pretty and you know there's all these messages that subliminally we're still told about you know we have to look a certain way and be a certain way so we do have to yeah I think there is that perception that it's much more of a negative thing for women to be in bigger bodies and to you know it's almost like those you know you've let yourself go kind of yeah, there's a lot of it to unpack. All right. And so, and like, I feel like it is, are all the same diversity issues the same with, in terms of inclusion and figuring, and like figuring out how to create over time a more equal playing field for all women? Like, do you feel like it's the same thing? Like, we just need to have more diversity everywhere and it needs, like, cause I feel like it's a little different. I don't know why. Like, I feel like, it's easy for a school to say, we need this kind of person. We need this kind of person. We need this kind of person. But then when it comes to like body size, I don't know. It feels like we could treat that differently in our institutions and in our society. And I think, yeah, I think obviously we can still, most people still see weight as a modifiable thing. So they still right. see that people can change their weights. Whereas you can't change the color of your skin. Exactly. Right. right? Yeah. Um, so I think that that kind of, way of looking at it needs to change and also the world is created for people in smaller bodies so people in bigger bodies have a lot of access issues um in terms of like even basic things like seating in the doctor's office like sometimes doctors don't have chairs that are more comfortable for people in bigger bodies you know they can't go on like roller coasters there are you know they can't get a seat on a bus there are definitely issues around people in bigger bodies not being able to have the same accessibility in the world. And, you know, if, for example, for like work and jobs and creating that diversity, you do need to make sure that you're set up to, for somebody in a bigger body to be comfortable in that place. Otherwise you may not be able to get that diversity. All right. 
cool. That's it's so interesting. Oh my gosh, there's so much. Oh, it's, it's honestly <laughs> when you start digging into it, it just kind of blows your mind. A lot of the stuff. It's just like, oh my gosh, it really oh, does. Goodness. So, so tell me, like, how, and how can I, I mean? I feel like a lot of it is also. I mean, I'm just trying to think, unpack my own mind, mm. right? And I'm not perfect. Like I definitely haven't weighed myself in 10 years. Um, I do, you, you spark something in my head because I do let the doctor weigh me when I go into the doctor's office, but I'm like, Oh, like I didn't even think of that as like a choice. Um, and I just simply don't weigh myself because I found that it really got in the way, like it just messed with my mind in a way that wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there, I, I don't need to, you know, like I have a child who's in sports and like it, like he needs to for some specific reason so that they know which place to put him in. Mm. But, um, but I have no need to know that number and the number just made me feel bad for so long. And it's like not even a bad, you know, it's not even really an issue. That's it. It's crazy, isn't it? So, so, but how, but how, what's so interesting to me is that it really is like, it has become understood as a marker of health. Mm. And I guess that where, you know, because I'm in the wellness field, you know, and, and helping people feel their best, I do feel like it is, it is a marker that we, we put on things. And I'm just trying to even think of my own, you know, I've moved away from food a lot, Mm -hmm. but I'm just laughing myself at myself right now. at like the first couple of years Um, You know, I've always been about like how to get a family to the dinner table. That's always been like my thing. But my, my hook at the beginning was always about how to be in smaller jeans. And now I'm like, what was I thinking? Um, So I don't know. It's just so interesting because really the, the whole reason I do what I do is to make people have more energy and like, you know, all these other reasons, like so that they can live longer lives and they can like figure out if they, you know, have some underlining thing like I had my whole life. Um, but I can see where this idea of weight equaling wellness really comes in. So like, how do we, how do we undo that? I mean, it is difficult because as well as, you know, the, men, the, the health not equaling kind of the weight thing, there is also the fact that when you're in a smaller body, life is easier because of the access things that we talked about but because of the attitudes of people around you as well Mm. so like your doctor won't tell you off when you go and see them or like your friends and family won't make comments about your body or your size or should you be eating that food and should you know like the world just becomes a lot easier to navigate in a smaller body so I can totally understand why people say they feel happier and they feel better in a smaller body because of that whole kind of social network around them complimenting them and telling them it's a great thing that they've lost weight and they should keep going and you know all these things even if the behaviors that they're putting themselves through are really kind of detrimental like I've had people who've you know been atypical anorexic so they've been anorexic in bigger bodies they've gone to see their doctor and their doctor has congratulated them and told them to keep going and they have an eating disorder but because of the way that the doctor views that they're being congratulated and told to just carry on, which I think is just appalling. Yeah, no, that is awful. Um, and it's, and that it's, it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. So, so basically I guess what we like, you eat healthy. 
Mm. Like many people in bigger bodies eat like amazing, great food. It's like, and so this myth that, that, you know, that a bigger body means you eat crap is a myth, yeah. right? And, and I, definitely true with skinny bodies. I mean, you see skinny bodies all the time eating crap, right? Yeah. Being reflected in their body. So it's just that we literally all have different bodies. <laughs> And different metabolism yeah. and, you know, our, our environments are different and our history of eating is different. You know, there are so many variables. And, and have you been able to find data? Like, have you been able to find studies or is it so, I mean, it might be that we're so biased that people aren't doing studies on bigger bodies yet to prove the other side. It's, yeah, I mean, that's the problem we're in. I mean, I've, in my work, particularly around pregnancy, I found a handful of studies that support the fact that IVF works for all BMIs, but it is few and far between because they're, the the culture is just so fat phobic that it's just ingrained in everywhere and they make this automatic assumption that of course fat is bad fat is unhealthy so you know it's going in with that assumption already in mind it's interesting and i don't know how health and i mean you're in england so it's different health insurance mm -hmm. than here but now i wonder you know here when you want ivf there's it's you know there's different different people get more cover coverage than others yeah. just the way health insurance works so I, I have no idea if that's a factor, you know, it might be. It totally is. Like people, there's normally a BMI cutoff. So if you're over a certain BMI, the doctors wow. will send you away. Wow. That's intense. Mm -hmm. Especially yes. since it clearly doesn't make a difference since you got <laughs> pregnant. It. And it's just this, you know, it's completely arbitrary. We know that BMI is a completely useless form of measuring any kind of health and they're using it as a barrier for people to be able to access treatment that they need. And it's just, yeah, it's shocking. All right. So let's shift before we have to get off. Let's shift to um, kids mm. and, and what you've thought about these messages. I mean, your guys are still little, right? They're three. Yeah. Are they, do you have boys, girls? Do you have two boys? Girls? Two boys. So they're little. So tell me a little bit about that, that idea that you really wanted to model good behavior for them and what that looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, it started with just, me realizing that I was just talking crap about my body the whole time you know I was pinching it and prodding it and saying how awful it looked and you know I wish this bit was smaller and that bit was different and I realized that I didn't want to hear that from my boys I didn't want them to say you know oh I wish this bit was different I, mean, I wanted to just them um, to accept their bodies for what they were and just to get on with life because for so much of my 20s and my teens all my energy and all my like mental and emotional energy was invested in changing my body. And I didn't, you know, I want them to go out and live their lives and enjoy their lives and experience life and use their bodies as vehicles. I don't want them to obsess about it and make it this like, you know, perfect thing and feel like they have to change it. So that's what really motivated me to kind of stop and just really question, you know, like, why am I doing this and what does it really mean? And is it really that important? But like on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, I really wanted to as well teach them about, you know, respecting everybody's bodies. And this kind of goes beyond their own body, but, you know, like being able to embrace diversity in the playground and be able to talk to everybody and chat with everybody and be able to see people for like who they are, regardless of what their body looked like. And I think that is such an important skill for children to learn these days because, you know, there are so many people in different bodies, different colors, different shapes, different, you know, sizes and, you know, with different abilities and capabilities. And the, I think the only way that our society is really going to develop and improve and get better is if we are 
capable of being able to empathize with other people in different bodies and different life experiences so i think you know teaching them that and teaching them as well about you know consent for their bodies so being able to make decisions about their own bodies and understand that they get to choose what happens to their body and how they talk about their body and you know like it's kind of the same with the doctors you know like you get to choose the, the health care and the treatments and the tests that are done to your body and you can teach that from such a small age about consent and about how it's important that they don't touch other people's bodies without their permission and you know about play and you know there's all kinds of ways that you can introduce that from such a young age but learning those boundaries in that respect I think is so important yeah I love I love the word empathy because I feel like that's what we all need so much of and I and I think that when it's interesting because I um I'm going to blank on the name of the book because we're talking on a podcast, but I read a book recently where (laughs) I had to take a test. It was like a very academic book uh, where I had to take a test about my bias. Um, Mm. And it was really interesting. And apparently, you know, then the whole book became about the test and everybody who's ever taken it. And we're all very biased. Like even those of us who consider ourselves diverse Mm -hmm. are actually rather biased just from like the culture that we've been a part of for the past a hundred years, it's like hard to get out of. So yeah. like, I mean, it's interesting that somebody in a bigger body could probably be just as judgmental of somebody else in a bigger body. Right. Uh, or, you know, like we are very judgmental. And so it's so interesting, just this idea of both empathy for all those around us. And probably that all starts with empathy for ourselves. Mm. Um, and really that, that self-love muscle that, I think it's hard to pass on if we don't, you know, practice it ourselves as moms. Um, and we're never going to get it right 100% of the time, right? But it's just about trying, isn't it? And just doing it as much as you can. Because there's, like you say, you know, we're, the, it, the bias is inherent. It's just, you know, like so hard not to, to judge and do that every day. But, you know, even just tweaking and changing and learning when you know that you've done it wrong and trying it you know just keep trying at it and keep changing and keep being willing and open to learning about it and I also love the idea of permission like I think that's the other idea that that you shared that I love I really love because I think that that's something that we just don't talk about a lot like just in a general sense you know we talk about it when it's like talking to strangers or whatever like we talk about it a lot in fear but we don't necessarily come at it from a place of empowerment a lot. Um, And so I think I personally avoided that conversation because I didn't want to come at it from a perspective of fear. You know, I wanted my kids Mm. to feel like they could walk in the park and, you know, not worry. But I think when we come around it from the other side, that it's good to think about how, you know, how you want people to interact with your body, like the whole idea of space and permission and like what's happening. It's so empowering. Yeah. And especially for, you know, like I'm teaching this to my boys because I think, you know, I want them to grow up respecting other people, but especially respecting women. And, you know, we're in the Me Too era now of, you know, so many people acknowledging that they've had been in, you know, like sexual assault situations or, you know, like feeling like even if they haven't been in a a violent situation, feeling threatened by somebody else or a male or, you know, like we're in a situation where this is talked about a lot. So I think it's so important for them to understand consent so that they can model it, but also that they can be aware of like, you know, these situations growing up. Cause I think it's, you know, we want to raise good kids. We want to raise good people who are going to, you know, go on to do great things in this world that needs a lot of change at the moment. 
Yeah. Interesting. All right. So tell people how they can get a hold of you. So I'm on Instagram a lot and um, my handle is fat positive fertility. Um, and I'm also got a website, which is nicolasalmon.co.uk. All right. So we'll link both of those in the show notes and you're mostly helping women who consider that they're in a bigger body to fertility. Is that true? Yeah. yeah that's the most stuff that I do. And people who are pregnant as well, because it's all the continuum, right? Oh my gosh. I can't even, it's, uh, and I, it's funny. Cause I, I experienced also besides body, there's also age, like in oh my God. The fertility in the fertility world. So I've had a lot of friends. I, I consider myself in the U S I'm sort of a young mom or in, in where I live in the U S like <laughs> I had my kids in my twenties and thirties, but a lot of my kids, friends, parents had them when they were 40. Mm. And, and the second, I think you're over 35, the doctors start giving you all sorts of scare tactics, which oh, yeah. are so not helpful right it's just the way we talk about it yeah Yeah. again it's that fear thing you know like you're putting them in a situation where they're instantly fearful of all these horrific things going on when we should just be supporting them and treating things as they come up and as they need it all right so if you had one bit of advice for all women what would you what what would you close us out with Mm. um so my my advice would be to just know that you are worthy like whatever you desire whatever you need whatever you feel that's missing from your life right now you are worthy of achieving that of getting that whatever it is um you don't have to change anything or do anything or be anything else right now exactly who you are you are worthy of it i love that and hopefully it's not about being in a smaller body <laughs> no <laughs> That's not what that's not what the dream's meant to be. Have a different dream. No, but again, we can understand whatever body you're in. <laughs> again, you know, but I can totally understand why people still want that because of the the culture and the society and the biases that we face daily. So it's it's just being gentle with yourself as well and giving yourself permission just to be a bit kinder to yourself. I love that. Gentler and kinder. All right, everyone. We're all gonna go off and be gentler and kinder because I think that that actually might be where real change happens. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nicola. Oh, thank you, Mia. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action because I really believe that action is where true change happens. And here's the deal. Big change does not necessarily come from big actions. It can be a series of little things that add up over time, which is why I am so passionate about this idea of doable changes. So at the end of every episode, I always share share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and make it part of your own life. But that said, I choose three so that you can choose the one that really resonates with you because I do recommend really focusing on one doable change a week. The only exception being our 30 week challenge going on right now, because those changes are really the foundational ones that will help you support these ones. And so that's how those two things fit together. So here are the three doable changes from this episode with the amazing Nicola. So number one, stop weighing yourself. Weighing yourself has no real benefit and can set you up. If you're in the habit of weighing yourself, see what happens if you stop. So if that number really gets to you and makes you take actions that are actually the opposite of the actions you want to do. So let's say that for more 
energy you're trying to give up gluten, but the number on the scale is depressing to you. And so that actually causes you to go eat more glutinous things, then you're not really serving yourself. See how that works? So see what happens if you stop weighing yourself. See if that starts to make your mind support your healthy decisions in a different way. Okay. Number two, advocate for yourself. Take a different approach with your healthcare provider. Tell them you don't want to be weighed unless there's a real specific reason. For example, you're getting anesthesia and they need to know how much to give you or you're getting any prescription and they need to know what dosage to give you. If they simply tell you to work on weight loss, ask for other treatment options. What would they recommend to other patients? And push for the treatment that really feels right to you. Now, I loved hearing this from Nicola because we often forget to really advocate for ourselves in the doctor's office, no matter what our deal is. And so this is really helpful to remember that we need to feel good with what we're told in the doctor's office, and we can advocate for ourselves and really we know best. So I love this one. And I'm actually going to experiment with this one this week when I go see my primary care doctor. Okay. Number three, help kids embrace body difference. Talk about body diversity, model how you want your kids to engage with people of all body shapes and sizes. Stop criticizing your own body or talking about what you want to change. Talk about what your body can do instead of what it looks like. All right. That's a big one. And I feel like that's one that you could really do some planning around over the course of a week and really see how that can impact your kids. So often we forget to talk about all these things with our kids, and it's such an important topic to be coming from us instead of from, well, sometimes our schools have different points of view than we do, or our society has different points of view. And if kids can know that they can come home and talk about all these kinds of topics with us, it's really helpful to help them be kind and loving and happy individuals as they get older. All right. Those are our three doable changes from this episode. And I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.